The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this May 19th, 2017 edition. It is Friday, the end of the week, and we are flying through the month of May here. So, so much going on. I said on a show with Dave Hodges, before we started the show, I said, Dave, breaking news seems to be ancient history 10 minutes later. So it's, it is really hard to keep up with everything that's going on. And I've been keeping my eye on the economy this year. There's some very interesting things going on with the economy. And who better to have on? He is a brilliant geopolitical analyst and a brilliant economist. It is my friend Ken Shorjan from the Daily Economist. Ken Shorjan, welcome to the program. It has been way too long, my friend. It's You're overdue. <laughs> yes, it has, Sheila, and uh, pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me again. So much going on, Ken. Where to start is the big question. It's hard to know where the head starts and the tail ends on this thing. It's just so many reactor rods all going off at the same time. Do you find everything kind of seems to weirdly overlap? North Korea, South Korea, impending economic collapse, Russia, the Comey thing, the DNC staffer, Satanism, Pedogate, Clinton, Podesta, the WikiLeaks, it all seems to kind of overlap here. But all this disorder, this mayhem, this bedlam, this pandemonium havoc, it, it just seems like this chaos is imploding all at once. What is going on here? Do you get that sense? Yeah, well, there's a number of different things behind this. Um, about a year, year and a half ago, obviously, the big thing was uh, the guy who did um, the Harbingers, uh, Jonathan Kahn. He was talking about the uh, Jubilee year and that. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is the Jubilee year came and went and nothing really happened. But more than that, I did some research, you know, since my background's in history and political science, I did some research and I discovered that during the second decade of every century, there has been both economic, social, cultural, and uh, military upheavals. Go back to uh, 410 to 412 uh, AD, that was when the Goths uh, sacked Rome. The uh, second decade of the, of the 18th century, the 1700s, you had the War of Spanish Secession. 1800s, you had uh, the Napoleonic Wars. 1900s, you had World War One, And then, of course, what we've got going on today. And in each situation, it was a populist movement. Most people don't realize that uh, at the end of World War One, it was the end of three empires. The Ottoman Empire the Habsburg Empire, which was uh, Germany, and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And it was the rise of nation states, the rise of populism. Well, think about what's going on in the past year. We had Brexit. We had a nation state of Britain pulling away from uh, an empire of sorts, the European Union. And then there's all this move with Marine Le Pen for France to do that. We have the Donald Trump election, a populist candidate who wants to talk about protectionism. So this is a frequency shift in the second decade of every century. And when that happens, of course, there is chaos. Uh, after World War One, just there was a, a Great Depression in, in uh, Europe during the 1920s. Ours obviously started in the 1930s, but it gave rise to individuals like uh, Hirohito in Japan, Adolf Hitler in Germany, to Mussolini in Italy. Just because there's chaos and change doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And that's what we're experiencing all around the world. 
financial, economic, a populist movement, and just this frequency that people are seeing something is wrong, and this is what the backlash is. Yeah, wow. Well, I mean, it's overwhelming. They're just inundating, overloading, besieging us. They're bombarding us. It's rapid-fire sensationalism. It's just a deluge coming at us left, right, center. Like I said to Dave, it's, you know what? Breaking news is ancient history. Like it's just coming at us that kind of rapid fire deluge. You know, we've got South Korea, North Korea, happenings in the Baltic, the whole situation with Russia. Russia saying, hey, you know, we're not going to put up with any intimidation. Putin doing some flip-flopping. There's a lot of juxtapositioning. There's a lot of saber rattling. You got the rumblings in the Middle East. Trump going over to Saudi Arabia, talking to Muslim leaders. That's interesting. You know, just this morning, the Hill covered Mad Dog Mattis said a military solution to North Korea would be tragic on an unbelievable scale. James Mattis speaking at a Pentagon press conference, and he said there's a lot of efforts underway to curb North Korea's aggressive missile program. But he warned, he said, hey, if this goes to a military solution, it's going to be tragic on an unbelievable scale. What is the thought process behind this little fat-headed demon leader of North Korea here, Ken? Does he want his country a parking lot? Like, I'm not following his thinking here. Well, North Korea has always tried to be, uh, you know, most people don't understand where North Korea really originated from and why there was a a war in the 1950s. Those who uh, are what we call North Korea today were actually... Japanese who after World War II, sort of those who were remaining who had been in China and in Korea after they conquered them, they migrated and sort of made a community and took over North Korea and then wanted to go ahead and start a war. So uh, most of what we consider North Korea is Japanese stock from after World War II. What we're seeing with them, there is a lot of, I would say, false information coming out Yes, they do have artillery that could uh, make Seoul, Korea into, uh, you know, boulders if they wanted to. But when it comes to their nuclear program and their ICBMs, really, they're just trying to justify their place in the world. The problem that Russia and China have is is the United States decides that they want to get uh, really serious uh, about going into North Korea, even with something like tactical nukes, then guess where the fallout's going to go? The fallout's yeah. going to go on China and Russia. It's not going to affect the United States. Right. So that's why China and Russia are doing their best to uh, try to keep the United States out of this. And the uh, U.S. is uh, you know, having to suddenly realize that they're not the sole superpower left in the world. And it's a lot of push and shove and seeing how, how much uh, feed kickback there is. We saw under the Obama administration that uh, when he wanted to do his red line in Syria, well, once uh, Putin slapped him around a few times, he uh, <laughs> he shut up. Same thing with uh, what was going on in, in Ukraine. Uh, the whole Ukrainian Maidan coup was backed by the State Department and the CIA and mercenaries. And when uh, Russia went into Crimea, there wasn't anything Obama could do. You know, they're, they weren't able to fund and support this uh, Nazi government that's in charge of uh, Kiev. And they've been unable to deal with the eastern part of uh, the Donbass region. So with that being said, the United States is proving to become a more and more and more a paper tiger. Right. And so the military industrial complex is trying to rattle their sabers. Well, there's a number of reasons why they're doing this, the saber rattling. One, the petrodollar is gone. Okay. Russia and China now sell oil in yuan and in rubles. It's broken. Russia is the largest producer and distributor of oil in the world, energy. 
So anybody who wants to can go outside the dollar. It's just a matter of right now, the, the rest of the world does trade in dollars. And this is what China and Russia are doing with the Eurasian Economic Union, the Belt and Road Project, aka the Silk Road 2.0, the uh, creation of the BRICS Bank, the Shanghai Gold Exchange, the CIPS, which is an equivalent to, to SWIFT. Yeah. Uh, so all of these things are already put in place. It's just a matter of what they're going to do. Well, one of the other standbys that's coming up is, and it's going to be one of these wild cards, is Dubai. Because Dubai has always been part of OPEC and of the, the Middle Eastern bloc that has been on the side of the U.S. for the petrodollar. Well, Dubai has now started its own gold exchange that is linked directly to the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And they are in the process of creating a gold-backed digital currency. What it really means is the only thing that keeps the United States an empire and powerful is their their hold as a, a singular keeper of the global reserve currency. These countries have to buy dollars. If nobody buys dollars anymore, then we have no money. We don't produce anything. We are suddenly a third world nation, period, once they do that. Well, China doesn't want to take over and be a singular global reserve currency. They would rather have, sort of like the IMF has with a basket of currencies, they would rather be a part of a global community of the major economic nations to go ahead and do this. But the United States, because we have the neocons in charge, don't want to give this up. They Ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, there was a, a document called the Wolfowitz Doctrine. Right. And this said that uh, the United States from now on would ensure that no other nation ever rises to the equivalent of a superpower. And this is one of the reasons why we have gone continuously to war all throughout the Middle East, Asia, why we're dealing with the South China Sea when we have no business being there is because we're trying our best to keep uh, Russia and China from reaching that point of, of superpower. Well, the fact of the matter is, is guess which country is the world's largest banking banking system? China. Who produces the most? China. They've also okay. got the most gold, too. <laughs> they have the most gold. Uh, the reason that the United States supposedly still is the number one GDP is because our GDP is based on consumer spending and government spending. Both of those combined make up between 80 and 85% of our entire GDP. Now, this is supposed to be gross domestic product. Since when is spending a product? But that's, that's what they base it on in this entire thing. Well, you take away the ability to print money and we produce nothing. China's no longer going to accept dollars. There's even there's even uh, word going on right now that some countries in their ports are not accepting treasuries anymore, which is the equivalent of a line of credit. So if uh, they're not accepting treasuries anymore, then the U.S. has nothing to offer to start getting products from the countries that we absolutely need them from. Well, last year, Forbes said China's economy would overtake the U.S. in about mid-summer of 2017. Well, guess what? We're going into the summer of 2017. Just kind of an interesting correlation, isn't it? You know, it's interesting, kind of coterminous to all the economic meltdown. Is more chaos in the way with this WannaCry cyber hacker? They've just sent their victims an ominous new message. Of course, last week's WannaCry ransomware attack led to worldwide cyber chaos. Now the victims are reporting they have been sent a chilling new message. That's just breaking news. I'm just researching that now. There sure is this copious amount of cyber attack, 
electric grid attack. Every time you turn around, there's some new proposed attack on the horizon. Do you find that interesting? Uh, obviously, the uh, cybercrime has gotten up there, uh, more particular since the election when they started talking about Russian hacks and, and the DNC hacks and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? This ransomware attack, when did it happen? It happened just exactly when revelations about the Seth Rich WikiLeaks leaks were coming out. See, this is something everybody's got to take into consideration is the United States and the West has false flags always to obfuscate something that's uh, really affecting the government or the, the cabal. Think about, you know, let's go back to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, the day he was going to be impeached, decided to go suddenly bomb Iraq. Right. And remember, he bombed yeah. the mil- the milk factories and called them arms arms thing. You know, something else Trump was going to do. He was gaining momentum when he got early on, and then all of a sudden we have this fake Syrian gas attack. Okay, so the, all these false flags are coming up. Well, the reason they're coming up is because the next financial crisis and crash is just on the edge, and so they need when it, whenever uh, the the we have civil unrest going on, the anti-Trumpers, the and Antifa's, you know, all this stuff is just boiling here. So if you're going to have a financial crash, then people are going to suddenly uh, wake up, no longer be divided, and they're going to go after and hang some bankers and politicians. So what do you have to do? You have to create a fake enemy. Well, if the fake enemy is some foreigner doing a cyber attack, like this ransomware, you know, the thing about it is, is what is the big monetary thing that's gaining gaining power. It's Bitcoin. Well, the government cannot have a decentralized form of money taking away the confidence that people have in their Federal Reserve notes. Let's have this little ransomware thing. Let's affect uh, really a bunch of people who were lazy. I'm going to call it lazy, okay? Because most of the systems that were affected with this ransomware attack were either old Windows XP ones where they didn't you know, they either chose not to upgrade to Windows 7, Vista, or Windows 10, or they had old software that they haven't bothered to upgrade that will only work on those Windows XP machines, and that's why they keep them. You know, some some uh, financial institutions, medical facilities have this proprietary software that uh, maybe the company that created the software is long gone out of business, so nobody's going to be able to uh, upgrade it for the new operating systems. So there's a lot of things going on with this. There's a lot of old infrastructure that have to run on these things. The other side of the coin is this ransomware hack was already known when WikiLeaks started divulging the Vault 7 information where they laid all the source code to all of these different malware and hacks that the CIA and NSA use. Well, you put that source code out there, then even the most basic hacker is going to go ahead and do it and start throwing it out there. Well, one of the things the media is trying to do is media trying to say North Korea is doing it. Well, guess what? That goes into the narrative of we've got to find a new war because we're losing in Syria. We're losing against ISIS. We are ISIS. They're getting their uh, tails kicked. We really have lost Turkey and we're losing, you know, many of uh, Ukraine is pretty much lost. So they've got to start and find a new enemy to create chaos and what's going on. North Korea is it. So you're going to see in the media, they're going to start claiming that North Korea was behind the ransomware issue. Well, the fact of the matter is, is it affected 300,000 PCs. And after all of that, you know how much money they actually have gotten? They've been able to track the Bitcoin address. They don't know whose address it is, but they can track the money. Only $70,000. 
If you're going to do this big hack for money, you want to do what uh, some of the Chinese did uh, last year when they hacked the Federal Reserve and took $100 million from the uh, Indonesian government. Yeah. So, you know, this whole thing sort of, you've got to look at the, the smell test. It's not about money. And if it's not about money, then it's about one of two things. It's a false flag to, to try to create a narrative. Or in the hacker community, it's not always about money. A lot of these individuals just are looking for notoriety. So they'll do something major just so in their own, their own little nerdy community, they can say, hey, we did this. You know, it, it's like, uh, I don't know if you saw that old movie from the 1980s called Sneak Sneakers. No, I didn't. Yeah, with Robert Redford and uh, Ben Kingsley. And they were, just when computers were going out and they were in college, they were trying to hack the Pentagon, hack the IRS, hack all these things. So even back then, they've been interested in trying to do something big for their community to make a name for themselves. So there's a lot of different possibilities behind this. But when it comes to cyber attacks, well, the problem is, is that your security is only as good as the weakest link. And if hospitals in Britain, if subways and trains in Germany, and then, of course, ATM machines in China, which were all three part, got hit the hardest from this ransomware, if they are running old antiquated operating systems that are no longer being patched by Microsoft, then those are the easiest ones to hack. And that's what you're going to see. So if people aren't up, updating, doing Windows updates, if they're not keeping security, there's a lot of free software out there. Uh, if they're not doing the basic things to keep their system secure, then, you know, this is the easiest way for them to get in. Think about this. John Podesta, the reason they were able to uh, hack into the DNC is because John Podesta had no security for the Clinton campaign for those servers, yeah. and he had a password that was like password 01. <laughs> so it, it, it's the weakest link is usually the human factor. Well, and then you've got this attempted political coup taking place in D.C. Every time you turn around the corner, it's this fervent effort to impeach Trump for fabricate obstruction of justice. Clown News Network cannot stop talking about, ooh, this special prosecutor has been appointed to investigate imaginary violence of law. It really is the deep state versus Donald Trump. I mean, he just went off to Saudi Arabia. I mean, he's kind of like <laughs> just leaving the turmoil behind for a bit. Does Donald Trump have a plan here or what's going on? Yeah, but I think, I think honestly, um, Donald Trump, after the first couple months, uh, or actually the first month, we're only into the fourth month of his uh, of his administration. Uh, I think that he was told uh, by the cabal that you know you're going to play ball, or we're going to pull out the Zagruder film, and this is what happens to presidents who don't play ball. So this is why he's got every so many Goldman Sachs. This is why he has so many neocon generals, and he's got Kushner. And we don't we, we don't want to look at a Kushner because uh, I don't know if you've heard of a gentleman named Robert David Steele. Yeah, the CIA operative. I talked about him. Yeah, he he made some assertions that uh, that the Kushner, that Jared Kushner, if not the Kushner family, are tied in some capacity to the Mossad. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so he he was the one who pretty much was at there at the time, speaking in the ear when that Syrian debacle came, and then Trump reacted as such. So the thing with Comey is is that uh, Comey, I think, was they forced him to keep him, but he got to a certain point that he was now able to be let go. The interesting part is the assistant deputy leader of the FBI, 
who's a longtime Democrat, but he's a loyalist to the office. He wants to do well. It doesn't matter who's in there. Uh, he's the one who pretty much wrote the letter to Trump saying, get rid of Comey. He no longer do the, do the job. Uh, so there are good guys in there. There's a lot of bad guys. The, uh, the cabal, the neocons, the whole system, the elites are not going to go down easy, despite the fact that they're on the run. Usually when you're this embedded, you can't just get rid of the head of the NSA, the head of the CIA. The head. You can't get rid of the, this bureaucracy goes four, five, six levels deep. You're going to be firing out of 7 million people working for the federal government. You're going to get rid of at least four to 600,000 before you drain the swamp. Well, I'll tell you what, the swamp is thick, it's deep, and it is miles and miles of treachery, really. I mean, people, these clowns, oh, Trump hasn't drained the swamp yet, really? This thing is so deeply entrenched, it would take years to even start just taking the first layer of scum off the swamp. Yeah, it'll take 10 years to do it if the job is started. But the problem is, is that Donald Trump, you really don't know his motives. I think he's a, a patriot and a loyalist, but guess what? You don't flip-flop like that unless you've had a traumatic event in your life that has caused you to change. So we really don't know what he's going to do or what the scope is. Well, you know, part of the way I look at it, Ken, is here's a guy that's a billionaire. He could go off in his twilight years, enjoy his riches, his big fat bank account, enjoy his grandchildren in the latter part of his life. Who needs this massive headache? I think he knew what he was getting into. I think he knew the deep state. And I really do believe that in his heart, he really, truly wanted to restore America back to its Christian roots. He wanted to make America great again. And I don't see who else could be the man for this job going up against the deep state like this. I think he really believes that he is the man for the job. He does. But here's the thing. Somebody like him has things to lose. He has family to lose. He has uh, wealth to lose. He has a legacy to lose. There are ways for the establishment and the cabal to get some hooks into him. I mean, Trump himself being 70 some odd years old and, and gone through the things, he may not be fearful of his own life, but threats to his family, which is extremely important. Uh, that's not out of the realm. We're talking Luciferians. We're talking, you know, psychopaths who run the government. There's nothing out of bounds in this. Yeah. And they've, right. and they've got too much. I mean, look, they were willing to assassinate a president 50 years ago. Why would they be afraid to do this now? They've been, they've been assassinating world leaders like probably Hugo Chavez, et cetera, et cetera. I think Trump is, is trying to walk a very fine line. But the thing about it is, is that every single thing that comes up, the fake news that's coming out of the media, there's a Comey, supposedly this Comey memo that uh, Trump had asked him to stop looking into Michael Flynn. Well, instantly, Democrats, oh, we yeah. got to do impeachment. Uh, there was the, the Washington Post. Uh, Trump gave classified information to the Russians during his meeting, so we got to get impeached. Every single little thing that is based on fake news, the Democrats are coming up and jumping impeachment. Even the Republicans are calling for all these different uh, committees. Well, guess what? You can't get anything done. No political capital to get Congress to pass anything or to do anything. And every time you pass uh, or try to do a, uh, an executive order or try to do something, you have leaks. You have this fake, these fake news. So the public support is, is declining. It's almost impossible to work because the bureaucracy is just too big. 
What is the tipping point, do you think, for this citizenry here, Ken? Because people are seeing through this whole bureaucratic shuffle, this absolute coup d'etat, the fake narrative, the fake news. People are seeing through this, aren't they? Not necessarily. Uh, for more than 40 years in the school systems, they've been programmed. Think about this. I don't know if you've ever seen the Mark Dice uh, videos. Mark Dice was standing on a, on a, uh, a street corner, not far, just half a block from a, a coin shop. And he had a 10-ounce bar of silver, and he had a stack of Hershey chocolate bars. Right. And I he asked this, yeah. 100 people, which would you rather have, this bar of silver or a chocolate bar? Nobody, not a single one, Tip. asked for the silver. That's right. Even though it was worth 180 bucks. Okay, people are dumbed down. They don't understand what money is. They don't understand what is right, what is lawful, the rule of law. They don't understand. They couldn't tell you anything in the Constitution. If they can't think even the basic things that they're supposed to be fighting for, then how do we expect them to wake up to, you know, the the fake news? That's a great question. It was enough. The only reason that he won those states in the in the uh, Midwest, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, et cetera, is because they were out of a job. That's a reality they can see. It's not the news that, that swayed them. It's that they were out of a job. And all the lies about how great the economy was from the Fed, that doesn't get through. 95 million people who are out of work, out of the labor force, not even being counted. That's real tangible things. And uh, supposedly, there's a lot of rumors going on that uh, there were 13 states that Hillary was able to rig the elections to beat Bernie Sanders in the primaries, but something held those states from rigging the elections, the Diebold machines, in the, the general election. It oh. could have been the cabal that just didn't want to deal with Hillary that rigged those things by making a promise behind the scenes to Donald Trump, we're going to get you in the office, but you're going to play ball. And sure enough, he brought in a bunch of swamp dwellers from the very beginning for his cabinet. Well, in all of this, I find the Seth Rich homicide very interesting. When you have the tragic death of young DNC staffer Seth Rich, you know, here is a guy being gunned down to what? Prevent him from meeting with the FBI over plans to testify against Hillary Clinton? Think of the thousands of leaked emails to WikiLeaks. I think all this impeachment narrative, this echo chamber where it's circulating around the fake news about this impeachment is just a smokescreen for what really was sent to WikiLeaks. What is this most sensitive information that caused a guy to risk his very life to expose? Well, sure. And I think that I think the Democrats and the uh, the cabal know, knows about it. They knew it was coming out. And that's why they're trying to create the narrative in the mainstream media of impeach Trump, impeach Trump. Seth Rich, oh, that's old news. He's dead. They're trying to cover up in the media in the, so that people don't see anything about Seth Rich. All they see about is Trump did this again. Trump, Trump is obstructing justice. Trump is selling secrets to giving classified material to uh, Russia. And they're doing this to keep the Seth Rich story from getting the headlines. Because guess what? News came out tonight that uh, there was the detective, the former homicide detective who was hired by the Rich family to do the investigations – Somebody at the New York PD told him, an anonymous uh, officer, that they were told to stand down from from investigating it. Right. Period. And now the mayor of Washington, D.C. is suddenly coming up and screaming, hey, uh, we didn't tell him to stop. We so why, why are they feeling guilty? Because the reality is, is this is a conspiracy. And they don't want really investigations. Well, if Trump is having to 
deal with so much on this FBI stuff. How can he send the FBI to go investigate something like that? That's this is politics. This is the problem, though, with uh, with most people when they watch stuff on TV and they deal with politics. Politics has always been a corrupt and an evil game, and you cannot see it through the the eyes of emotion. You have to always step outside of it you can't let it affect you personally or intrinsically this is just how the game is played it goes back to rome during a 25-year period there were 12 or 13 caesars who were killed you know i this goes back to the beginning of time the problem is is that one we don't we don't read history and we don't understand history and two because our life lifetimes are so short we only see things through the eyes of our own modern day but no, there's nothing new under the sun. There's been financial, political, military corruption, spiritual corruption from day one, going back. We're seeing is modern day spin. This is what it means when, when Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. For so many years, uh, whether it's the Bush cartel, the Clinton cartel, the Obama who was tied to the Clinton cartel and the Bush cartel, uh, Eric Holder, Lanny, Lanny Watkins, Loretta Lynch, who all worked for the same Wall Street uh, law firm, all of them, they have been in charge and they've been able to protect the secrets. And you know what the secrets are? The secrets are about Pedogate. Yeah. The secrets are about all of this stuff, which would put more than a third, if not two-thirds, of all of Congress in prison. It would probably put a third or more of the media in prison for abetting this. It would put all of the bankers in prison. And so all of a sudden, when you have somebody that's out of control in the White House that they can't control, he has the potential because he has access to all the secrets to do this. This is one of the reasons why LBJ was uh, made vice president of JFK and then president. You know why? Because he was the former speaker of the house under FDR during the FDR years. And he knew all the skeletons of everybody right. and everybody was scared to death of him, but he was one of the most corrupt politicians in the history of America. I mean, Hillary goes far beyond LBJ, but LBJ makes Richard Nixon look like a saint. He recorded everything. He didn't trust anybody. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is he would have easily won in 1974, but he didn't believe it. He didn't trust it. He needed a landslide. So he allowed that to go on. Had he come out after Watergate instantly and, and done an investigation and not said a word or said what he, he heard after the fact – then he would have easily skated by because he wasn't involved in that. The committee to reelect the president, Creep, did it on their own accord. By the way, something interesting. Guess who was a member of uh, Creep back in Nixon's time? How about Pat Buchanan? We see Pat Buchanan in the libertarian conservative alternative world as this great individual. Yeah, no, he was involved in the Nixon dirty work back in the day. So. Nobody in politics is without skeletons, period. Well, Nixon, though, don't forget, he flooded us with good old paper dollars. He took us off the gold standard. Yeah, he took us off the gold standard. That was true, but uh, it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, he got, you know, we went off the, the, really, we started going off the gold standard in 1964 when we went off the silver standard right. because we needed to expand the money supply to pay for Vietnam. And LBJ then expanded the money supply for the Great Society. And then Nixon comes in there and sitting and going, God, I got all these mandates and obligations I can't pay for. And uh, places like France are no longer accepting our dollars. They're taking all our gold out. Well, we're running out of gold. So 
he was sort of forced into that situation. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if you take a look at the actual executive order, it was only supposed to be temporary. Were you surprised that Trump actually mentioned putting us back on the gold standard? And he actually talked about the cartel that is the Federal Reserve. Well, we know what happened to the last guy that went after the Federal Reserve, Ken. Well, true, but he, he has not really said too much except a little bit about Glass-Steagall since the inauguration. True, true. Okay, and he hasn't gotten started on that. The fact of the matter is, is that a gold standard is impossible unless you raise the price of gold to $50,000 an ounce. Now, China would be amenable to that because China wants to back its debt. The big difference between China and the United States is all of China's debt is internal. You know, I have I've been doing some thinking, okay, and I have come to a conclusion that up to a point, China's way of half communism, half capitalism is not a bad thing. And I'll tell you why is because the uh, the Federal Reserve and all the banks, the Rothschild banks, are private banks. Back when we did the Constitution, the government printed money. So if the government was in charge of things like the banking system, in charge of energy, in charge of just basic things to run the country, then you get the corruption of private enterprise out there. We would, if, we, if we had controlled oil and energy the way uh, China does, we would not have had the Rockefellers rise to fame. We would not have had the J.P. Morgans. We would not have any of these monopolies. Okay, But what China does is they control the key parts of their infrastructure in their planning, and they allow then everybody else to just be entrepreneurs. Okay, So you can open businesses, restaurants, uh, create things like Alibaba. Those are all for you to do. But when it comes to controlling banking, when it comes to controlling energy, when it comes to controlling infrastructure building, when it comes to controlling transportation, these are the purviews of the Chinese communist government. And they do that through their planning. But there's a reason why China has uh, so, you know, the largest growing middle class is because they allow free market and entrepreneurship outside of the big key aspects that they control. Now, what do we do? We don't have capitalism anymore. We have fascism. Mm. Why? Because the corporations and the banks became so big because uh, they were allowed to create monopolies. They were allowed in the 19th century to buy politicians, to pass the Federal Reserve. And so they now run the country. Uh, if One of the m most important things that told me that we are now a fascist country was during the 2013 government shutdown, the one that lasted about 10 days to two weeks. The second day after the shutdown started, who was the first individuals who went to the White House to see Obama? Bankers. He called in 15 bankers. Yeah, bankers. And the bankers told uh, Obama what was going to happen. It was only three days later that he brought in Boehner and then the rest of Congress to try to negotiate the ending of the government shutdown. But the bankers told Obama what was going to happen and how it was going to do. 15 major bankers from Jamie Dimon to Blank Fine, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, all of them. Yeah, you and I covered all the trail of dead banksters, remember? <laughs> we covered that a few years ago. Bankers were suiciding themselves faster than Al Sharpton can spell racism. Yep, they were being killed. And most of them that were being killed were the ones who could potentially have been called before Congress or a court regarding things like the London Whale, uh, LIBOR rigging, things like that. They were getting rid of those who were uh, in the middle, who had the knowledge uh, to put the large bankers in jail. 
Well, Ken, speaking of the economy, I mean, we've been hearing for months and months that, you know, we're going to have this horrendous economic meltdown, the stagflation, deflation, inflation. We're just going to have a total implosion. When does this thing absolutely go off the rails here? Well, it can happen anytime. Let me just say that. It is impossible to predict. Now, there are certain times that the establishment will do things on purpose. Uh, Take a look at what happened with um, the stock market crash of 2008. On that very day, the stock market ended with 777.77. We have certain times when they've done some crashes where the numbers have been 666, they've ended in that. The fact of the matter is, is that interesting thing that came out, uh, one, gold and silver have been slammed and slammed like it's never been seen before. As a matter of fact, the gold price had had ended the day down 17 days in a row. History has never happened. Okay. And at that time, the bullion banks had the largest amount of naked shorts in the futures market for gold and silver. They used it that's when sentiment was down, when there wasn't a lot of buying, when people were dissuaded from, from gold and silver, they used that time to, to cover a lot of their shorts. Now, what else has happened? The S&P 500 has gone five or six straight days without having at least a 1% rise or fall in those five days. I mean, it's been virtually stagnant. That has not happened since 1969. We have uh, bankruptcies. At the beginning of the year, we have Payless Shoe Source. We have Sears, who in their 10K said if they don't get $10 billion, that they're going to uh, shut down as a viable interest. We had uh, Rue 21, one of the fringe uh, clothiers, file for bankruptcy yesterday. We have uh, the state of Connecticut is seeking law firms to do a bankruptcy because the hedge fund managers that they were getting most of their tax revenues from are making less money and most of them are moving out of the state. We have uh, credit card debt at $1.1 trillion, which is higher than it was in 2007 when the housing bubble was collapsing. We have the student loan. We have all this. People fit more than 50% Americans cannot afford $500 if they had to cover an emergency. Everything is sitting on the precipice of recession slash Great Depression slash collapse. All it's going to take is a trigger. Now, is it going to be one of those frequency days? Are we going to wait till like the the 9th of Av if if it's a biblical time? Are we going to wait for Teshuva? Are we going to wait for uh, who knows? Um, But I don't know if you've uh, talked to Stan Dale lately, but it's interesting that there is a massive convergence that's not been seen in over 2,000 years that's going to take place on September 23rd. Right, right. Well, what day is that? It's the day after Rosh Hashanah. You know, there's signs uh, in the heavens. There's signs that are being out there. Why are so many people getting into Bitcoin? Why are so many people, you know, looking at things from a different point of view? It's because they know, they can feel the chaos of what's happening around them, this frequency shift, but they don't know what it means, what it's doing. And think about this, World War One started by what? Started by a single act, a random act that almost didn't take place. Archduke Ferdinand, earlier in the day, somebody had tried to throw a bomb at him. And so he went to the meeting that they were going to have in Serbia uh, and then he was on his way out, and the driver suddenly went the wrong way, took a wrong turn, and ran directly into one of the assassins who had thought that it was too late, and he was standing on the corner eating a sandwich. And here's the Archduke Ferdinand, boom, boom. So a random chance, random act. One thing can happen. A, a bank fails. We have, we have uh, the largest alternative mortgage lender 
in Canada who is virtually insolvent, has had a bank run going on for the last three weeks. Canadian housing bubbles bursting. The British housing bubbles bursting. We're probably on the point that we're, our housing, new housing bubble is going to burst. Uh, all these things, one little derivatives failure, uh, one little political thing, one little military thing can spark the entire thing. And this is what happened after 2008, okay? Because they were so afraid of a Lehman Brothers or a Bear Stearns occurring again, possibly bringing down the entire system, all the British banks, all the European banks, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, Royal Bank Scotland, the Fed, JP Morgan, they lashed themselves together. Okay, so if one bank starts to teeter, then all the other banks help and, and think. It's kind of interesting. This has not been in the news, but JP Morgan came out and has been talking to all the other banks about pooling everybody's deposits. Right. So they know that they're insolvent, that the liquidity is coming to a complete end. The Fed is being forced to have to raise rates. Why? Because we're in stagflation. The, the inflation rate is probably about 8%. The Fed knows it, but can't get away with saying how, how high it is because if they raise interest rates, when the U.S. government has to roll over its debt, now $20 trillion debt, it's already paying $500 billion a year in interest. Every 1% that the Fed raises the rates is an extra $250 billion per year out of the budget that the government has to pay interest on the debt. You can't raise it up to 4 or 5% because that's an extra trillion and a half dollars that the federal budget can't do. All these things, this debt monster is there. One, Just one single thing can tip it off. And this is another reason why the the U.S. is trying to do the the war drums because they've got to have some place to have an outlet once everything starts to crash. Well, what I think is really interesting, you mentioned it earlier, the Eurasian Union, Russia and China agree to integrate the Eurasia Union, the Silk Road. Of course, Putin's off meeting with the Chinese president. You know, you've got this whole Belt and Road Forum, a.k.a. Silk Road. That's really interesting. And then you've got all this stuff going with the Shanghai gold fix. You know, is China going to dump dollars for gold? They already control the world's largest physical gold market out of the Shanghai Gold Exchange. So they have the potential to dominate in the paper and physical gold markets. They could totally take over the West future markets here. And then you look at the London silver fix, you look at what's going on with metals. What is going on with China? And my curiosity is, what are we going to see the metals at, Ken? Uh, I think if if China takes it over, the Shanghai Gold Exchange gets the price we're going to see gold instantly about $3,500 because that's what the premium is for uh, large sales right now. And silver is going to be between $100 and $200 an ounce. That's just a start because the future of all technology, whether it's solar power, whether it's iPhones, whether it's computers, all requires silver. And so I think there's going to silver is not going to be backing the monetary system. Silver is going to become so important for technology that it's going to be pseudo-nationalized. Remember, China's communist. They have five-year plans. They're going to take something over, then they're going to get together in their committees, and they're say, are we ready to do it? No, we're not ready. We will be in two years, da-da-da-da-da. Now, here's the thing. Because the U.S. is doing all this garbage in the, uh, in the war zones of the world, China and Russia are moving up their thing and saying, screw this. The only way we can stop the United States is to bring about uh, the end of the dollar. Well, it's something you mentioned uh, from what happened today. Chief economist for the Eurasian Development Bank 
said that the Silk Road Project will have the power to wean member nations off the dollar. I wrote an article that was from a Chinese central banker on May 11th. Governor for the Central Bank of China penned an article in which he emphasized that one of the key roles and purposes during the Silk Road construction is to accommodate loans and financing between member nations using their own bilateral currencies, i.e. bypassing the dollar. Both the Chinese and the Russians know that the Silk Road is going to be a way for more two-thirds of the, of the world to no longer have to use dollars they realize that you know what the u.s is the enemy and we should no longer be enemies let's work together you run the banking we run the energy and the oil and uh we both get rich and we both stick it to uh to the cabal did you see this arizona passing that bill to end income taxation on gold and silver yeah, so Bill 2014, which removes the state taxation on the sale and purchase of physical gold and silver. That is the first step in a state re-recognizing gold and silver as legal tender because they're saying you can't tax money. They, like Utah and Texas and Virginia and Oklahoma and possibly Idaho, which has a bill that they haven't passed yet but is in their legislature, they're preparing for the end of the dollar. Yeah, I... <laughs> The dollar's days are definitely numbered. And, you know, I'm not against prepping either, Ken. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of these people are hunkered down, bunkered down, buying years' worth of food. I mean, the ultimate prep here really is salvation in Jesus Christ. That's step one. A person's also got to have faith in God when things go off the rails. I mean, we see examples over and over in the Bible. Elijah's raven express for food, water out of a stone. I mean, I think we're really going to have to step up our faith game at some point. Everybody looks to everything but God. Yeah. And here's the most important thing about that, okay, is because we are supposed to grow in our communication, in our hearing from the Lord every single day. There's no one fixes all, okay? Moses was told to go do X, Y, and Z. The rest of the Hebrews were not. So when somebody says that you need to prep, you need to find a bunker, you need to have a bailout location, no, you are to, to seek in prayer what the Holy Spirit and what the Almighty is telling you to do. Now, it may be to go and get gold and silver. It may be to get to a little bit of food. It may be to stay where you are. It may be to move. But it's for you and your family individually because he has an individual purpose for you and a reason for you to be there. If you follow the herd of what uh, all of the alternative you know, side says, then you're not doing God's will. You're just uh, out of fear following somebody else who's telling you what to do. Well, that's just the problem is there's so much fear. And fear is not being in faith. And I think that's really important what you said because there's not a cookie-cutter solution for all this. What God has one person doing may be different from what God has for you. And I think that's a really important point that you mentioned. Ken, in the waning moments, I would like you, for the new listeners, briefly talk about your podcast that you've got now and where people can find your handiwork. Yeah, my website is The Daily Economist, and that's the best place to go to see all uh, my writings because on the right side of uh, The Daily Economist, I RSS in from one of the sites I write, viralliberty.com. It's a one-stop shop to go. And you can go out to YouTube and just put in The Daily Economist. You'll find all my podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe uh, so you, you'll get the notifications daily. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'll do a 25 to 45-minute uh, update 
on all the different financial news that I think is really important. And what I do is, is I have up on my browser, each of the different articles, whether it's ones I've written or ones I've found, you can see right there where the news comes from. And you can go to that URL and do your own further investigation if you see fit. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Ken Shorjan. Check out his handiwork at thedailyeconomist.com for all your financial news. It's a really good website. It's got great articles. Jump over there and check that out. It's also linked there in the bio today. I have a great show with Dr. Michael Heiser that's going to go up over the weekend. And then Monty Mulkey is on the show Monday. You do not want to miss Monday's show. And before you go for the weekend, listen, you have got to go to my website, weekendvigilante.com. A banner will come up after a couple seconds. Go right now and subscribe to my YouTube channel. While you're at it, like me on social media. That's Twitter. I have a Facebook page. All that information is there on the pink bar. Just if you look on the top right, all the social media icons are located there. Why should you subscribe to my YouTube? Because if you do in the next 30 days, you will automatically get registered in what I'm calling the True Legends, the conference grand prize giveaway. It consists of airfare, accommodations, and a ticket. And I don't even know if tickets are left. You can go on over to Gen 6 Conferences. That's G-E-N-S-I-X conferences.com and check out if there's any tickets, but they're selling like hotcakes. It really is going to be the event of the year. And why do you want to go to that? Because you are going to meet like-minded Christians who will be like family, forge connections for a lifetime with amazing people and find people from your area. That is a big thing everyone knows that I've been pushing for for a long time is to connect people, boots on the ground in their areas. That is really important to me. So I think it's just going to be amazing. I'm going to be there. Steve Quayle, Tom Horn, Timothy Alberino, Pastor David Langford alone is just worth the whole price of admission. He's going to be preaching Sunday. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. I would love for this to be an annual event. So make sure that you do subscribe to my YouTube. And besides that, I've got some great stuff planned on the horizon. There are new things coming and it's going to be worth subscribing to. Trust me. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. We will see you next week. Good night and God bless.